Okay. Um, so, what I'm doing is I'm following on from the sermon I did a couple of weeks ago. It was about resisting the devil. And, um, and so, I've done a lot of thought about this. And I've, <laughs> my notes go on a long way because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, but actually, just as, as we were traveling, you know, you know when you're traveling, there are certain things you don't want to lose, aren't there? When you're going through, a pair, going through an airport, there are certain things you want to know where they are to, to, to hand. You, you, passport is, is, is gone. Passport is something you really do not want to misplace or lose on a journey. What about other things like uh, credit cards and boarding cards? We actually had, a, we had an instance once where we managed to leave, leave a boarding pass behind in you know, the security trays. And we got, got, got to the sort of departure. Ah, <laughs> Quick run back. Fortunately found it, which was a miracle in and of itself. But, you know, there's certain things you really, really want to guard preciously. And a passport, I was just, when you're traveling. How many times do you check you've got your passport when you're on the, anybody do that? Have you got it? You check, check it, check it as you're in the house and you check it when you get in the car. Oh, I just make sure I've still got it. Why? Because it's actually that important to you to, to get to your destination. Yeah, and there's certain resources you need, you know, with you. You know, for instance, if, if you lose if you lose a book or something, it's not quite as drastic, is it? You think, ah, you know, get one, get another one of those. But actually, there are certain things that, that are far more precious, and I would suggest you you guard those very carefully. And um, so I want to talk to you about that today. Um, and really, what I'm trying to do is give you some some things I've learned in my life of how I guard myself, how I guard myself <coughs> from temptation, from the devil's lies that he will put at me, and, and how they are thrown at me. Um, and sometimes they're thrown at you by other people. And so the story we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago, which we're just going to return to, is, is when in... Tell uh, my notes are long now, can't you? Matthew 16. Um, and it's when, you know, just in the same chapter peter has the revelation that jesus is the christ the son of the living god he, he's the messiah and then straight after that he has an interaction with jesus and where he says no we're not going to let you die you're not going to die and jesus rebukes him and says get behind me satan you know those, those are two massively contrasting things there um and what i, what I want to suggest to you is that, that jesus was actually guarding something very precious to him <clears throat> was actually his destiny. So, so how do you guard your destiny? How, how careful are you about it? How, how, how careful are you at guarding your relationships? Like I say, loving after marriage is a good example of actually guarding things. Things that are important to you and precious to you, I would suggest you should uh, guard very carefully and seriously. You, know? you take hold of them. It's like, <clears throat> um, you, know, you don't just leave your wallet hanging around for anybody to pick it up. Hopefully, yeah. <clears throat> but actually, leaving your Bible lying around, although it's precious, actually, it's not quite as important if you lose your Bible. I remember I lost one the other other year, which was a bit of a pain. But you can replace such things. <clears throat> um, so, how do you guard your destiny? How do you guard your thought life? Okay. So, how are you going to be transformed into His likeness? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so how do you guard what goes on on up there? Um, and the Bible says that we, we destroy strongholds by taking every thought captive. Now, strongholds are those, the, devil, the devil's schemes that he uh, puts in place to try and uh, keep you, what it says, from the knowledge of God, from knowing God 
in all his fullness. Um, now, if you're born again, uh, the devil cannot stop you going to heaven. Okay? That's done. Done deal. He can't stop you having the Holy Spirit. That's also sealed. What he can do is stop you enjoying the fruit of that and, and, and the outcomes of that and your destiny this side of mortal death. And that's what he'll try and do because he's, he's a thief and he's a robber. And that's his, his intent. And he has schemes to do that. So if, you, if we look at this passage um, again in Matthew and... Uh, Jesus took, took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Verse 22, he said, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That's after Jesus has said, I'm going to go and die. And he says, No, we're not going to let it happen. And then <laughs> Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan. Now, that's pretty strong stuff. Um, and, but I, I, again, I've been meditating on this, and I think it's really important that we understand actually, Jesus didn't say, Get behind me, Peter. He's identifying the issue. The, the issue is actually there's some satanic stuff being trying to upload into the system here and we're not having it um, and I would suggest to you that, 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 that Jesus wasn't rejecting Peter in actual fact to the opposite he was actually wanting to make sure that Peter continued to walk with him and so important was this that, that he was going to guard not just himself but Peter from, from making a massive mistake okay so how, how do you take your responsibilities for guarding your life, but also actually the lives of others. One of the, one of the, the most, uh, well, the phrase I think is really sad, is when people say, oh, I could see that was going to happen. And didn't do anything about it. If you happily watch somebody wander off towards something unhelpful or destructive, and yet not say anything, that, that's, that's not guarding people, is it? Um, but also, actually, we have to make sure we guard ourselves. And what I want to do in, in this is try and help you understand primarily your interaction with others, how that works, both from a giving point of view and a receiving point of view. So do you think Jesus was wise to resist Peter's offerings in this moment? More than wise, actually, vitally important, because if Jesus hadn't died, we wouldn't be born again. So there was something so... The ability to resist ungodly offerings are really important to you because they could rob you of your destiny. Um, and there's a massive battle on for our thought life, isn't there? So, and in Philippians 4, it tells us to, to think about the good stuff. It tells you how to think. Think about this, think about this, think about this. There's very clear instructions. Think about this, think about this, think about this, think about this. What's the outcome of thinking like that what, at the end of Philippians? Peace. Peace what? Peace that guards your heart and mind. Okay, because so the greatest guardian you've got for your heart and mind is peace, a peace that passes all understanding, which is why it's also very actually a useful thing is if you lose your peace, then there's something to search for. It's precious. And that peace is not just free of anxiety, it's the whole shalom, it's the whole well-being of God, it's actually, that, is, that is very precious, because actually that's what we've got to give away to other people as well you know, when you enter a house you, what, what do you offer? You offer it your peace but if it's not received you can take it back so, so, but you've got something to offer which is well-being, so what happens if you don't guard your own well-being, is you haven't actually got it to 
give away. So actually to love the world, we need to know how to guard ourselves from the stuff that would rob us of what God wants us to have and what we need to, we need to be growing in. Um, so as I say, I'm, I'm pretty careful about my passport when I'm traveling. Have you ever done, you ever put it away somewhere so safe that you can't find it? I'm like, <laughs> I know it's there somewhere. What about your house keys? Once I made the mistake of putting my house keys in the hold luggage. Fortunately, the, the baggage arrived. But I thought, oh, that was a mistake. Because I was thinking, as, as I was waiting for the bag at the carousel, I was thinking, I hope it comes through. Because there's something important in there. I can manage without my undies and my things. Could get some more. But without my house keys, this was not looking good. So, so I was really pleased when that bag arrived. So, so here's some tips for you in terms of how you interact with others, both on the giving and the receiving end. Okay? Number one, recognize your true enemy. Because your battle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, so, so people are not your enemy. And who are you meant to love? Everybody, even the enemy. So, so, so there, is, there is no excuse for not acting in a loving, kind, generous, gentle way with other people. There's every reason to resist the devil. Um, and I think it's really important to distinguish ungodly behavior from somebody's identity. Yeah. So if somebody's, somebody's trying to dispense to you some ungodly advice or behavior, do not make the mistake of making that their identity. Okay, the, the, they are not their temptation. Okay. And also, sometimes people try and, might try and label you as something. And even if it's true that you've made a mistake, you're not, your identity does not come from your mistakes. So do not allow yourself to be labeled. Be secure in your own identity. And then keep your love on. Okay. Another important thing is to recognize God's wisdom and the difference between God's wisdom and human wisdom. And... Uh, the passage with regard to that is in James chapter 3. So if you look at James chapter 3, it says, <clears throat> James chapter 3, verse 13 going on, it says, If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the, with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy, jealousy and, selfish and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Okay? Not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's, that's quite strong language. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and evil of every kind. I would suggest you need to resist demonic influence in your life. That's, that's not... A, that shouldn't be a great shock to you. <clears throat> but sometimes we, we can dress that up in, in very dramatic, you know, almost like horror film-esque pictures. But actually, it's, it's usually more subtle than that. You just have to think of the way that uh, Satan tried to tempt Jesus. He even used scriptures. It's not horror story stuff. He's actually, hey, look at this. There's some scriptures I want to show you. <laughs> 
them to say, well, it's in the Bible. Yeah, it might be, but what's the spirit behind this? What's, what's, what's this leading towards is, is an important question. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. That means submissive. It's, it's actually, if you talk about that, it's willing to learn. Wise people are willing to keep on learning. <clears throat> it's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Whew. So wisdom from heaven is pure. That means it's uncontaminated. So you've got to be clear about what will contaminate what's on offer and what you have. So Jesus identified something that was going to contaminate him in what Peter was saying, even though it looked kind. It looked kind, it looked protective, it was demonic. That's a shock. <laughs> Why? Because it was... And Remember a few, few, um, few weeks ago, I did a sermon called Pack Your Coffin? Um, evening meeting, I think. So, it's, it's, but, but it was actually this where... <laughs> and in that it says that Jesus didn't die to give us a safe life. He died to give us a radical life. No, so, so, you know, Jesus said, oh, I, I think I, I want a, a safe life. He probably would have listened to, to Peter's, oh, yeah, that will keep me safe. No, that's not safe. That, that's just escapism. We've got to be re- ready to face the challenges of life, as Jesus did. And Jesus actually had a very great purpose, didn't it? For the joy set before him. Now, there's always that greater gain, <clears throat> but he was willing to endure the cross for the sake of the great again. So, okay. Speak the truth in love. That's another point. <laughs> the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. It tells us to be gentle and patient with everyone. <laughs> um, and I, I know you, 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 this is obviously applicable to when you've got something that's maybe a a difference or a little bit of a confrontation to speak the truth in love. But I've been thinking about it as well. Is actually, when, how many of you have ever had this, gonna, this happen to you? It says, I'm, I'm going to tell you this in love. And you know what's coming next? <laughs> you know, I'm just going just to, I just want you to know that I'm going to tell you this in love. <laughs> yeah. Woo! And you know that though you, just in for some, you know, trying to get your helmet on, put the breastplate on. Get ready to guard yourself from what's about to assault you. <laughs> um, how about if we actually speak the truth in love and say, you're amazing. Wow. You know, what you did last week, that was phenomenal. You got so beautiful. You're effective. Wow. How about celebrating one another in love as well? That's speaking the truth as well. And, uh, and psychological studies will tell you that you need... At least ten words of encouragement to overcome any word of discouragement. The ratio should be at least ten to one. And I, I said to the first meeting, I said, if you want to be on the safe side, I'll make it at least twenty to one. <laughs> why, why skate near the edge? You know, think, oh, well, okay. Start counting off one word. Okay, so ten. Whoop, ready for another one. Ten. Whoop. Our words should be full of encouragement, celebration, and praise. You know what? And that then generally gives you the context within it's easier to convey the more difficult bits of communication. And there's a really good tool 
um, you can get at from, it's on the Bethel website, I think, called Brave Communication. It's, it's a brilliant tool in, of how to communicate well with other people, and I'd commend that to you. I'd also commend Danny Silk's book, Keep Your Love On. I think that's good as well. And when you're speaking the truth in love, it's, it's helpful to be specific. You know, if you're going to do, and you have, you know, confrontation is necessary, as Jesus demonstrated with Peter. It's necessary sometimes how you do, how you do it. Um, and, and be specific, okay? Jesus was pretty specific. Um, if you're not specific, it's very difficult for people to know what to do with it. So as an example, um, Within the last year, it was not, some, not somebody in Eastgate who gave me this, this little confrontation, and it was, it was very interesting. And they said, and the trouble is you don't know what you don't know. And I thought, well, that's true. And that was it. I thought, hmm, uh, I still don't know what I don't know. So <laughs> it was one of those bizarre you know, exchanges. This was, they were trying to help me to develop and understand where I was lacking. It was, so I was waiting for the next bit. Of the and you don't even know what you don't know. I'm thinking, no, that's true. I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it was very, it was, and there was literally no follow-up to that whatsoever. It just, and I thought, okay, I don't know. What. Now, the problem was after that, I was, I was trying to wonder what I didn't know. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was really un, it was a really unhelpful communication from, from that part. But it bugged me for a while. No, I think, because I was thinking, well, what don't I know that I don't know? And I thought, in the end, I thought... Yeah, this is fruitless. This is, you could, I could worry about what I don't know, but I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so I could worry forever about what I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it was bizarre. That sort of interaction is, is not helpful. You know, if you've got something to say to somebody, be as specific as you can and as loving as you can with some ideas that move forward. Don't use condemn condemning language which is you are or you always or you never because most people don't never or always it happens from time to time and one of the things that uh, Kim and I would say we've learnt we've learnt lots of things in our relationship over the course of time is accusation is never a good form of, of communication so accusing language just isn't helpful not helpful to give away. It's also not helpful to receive. You see that effectively, what those people did—they accused me of something—and it, what, it, what it landed on me as, as a sort of weight of, con- of condemnation, rather than specific, which is actually what conviction is. That I could actually then do something about what they were trying to tell me about. So condemnation—there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't receive it from other people, and don't dish it out. Okay. Try not to label people. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned this one, which says, don't confuse disagreement with disapproval. So I won't go over that. But it's, I find it's really interesting that, that particularly, well, certainly in, in the UK, and it's true in other countries, but particularly here, that, that people attach disapproval to disagreement, which isn't necess- they're not the same thing. To have a disagreement is not to be disapproved of. You're allowed to have different opinions. So, so I won't do any more because I did that a couple of weeks ago. But. Okay, so here's some things to resist. Fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So fear will contaminate you. It's not good news. Fear is not your friend. 
which means caution isn't your friend. Caution is fear-based wisdom coming from the wrong place. And uh, I think I've told you this before, but when people ask you to be real, they're usually asking you to be cautious. Very rarely is somebody who asks you to be real trying to spur you on to greater works. They're nearly always trying to put the brake on what's already happening. So I would suggest you don't join in with other people's version of reality. Yeah? Accusation's not good. Guilt. Don't try and manipulate people through guilt and shame. And don't allow yourself to be manipulated that way either. Suspicion is not a helpful thing either. Um, one of the things that, that Kim and I realized when we were in Bethel for three months, at the end of three months, we were working out what we'd learned and experienced. And we had the thought that we'd just lived free of suspicion for three months while that was important. So when we came back, we were really careful to guard that. It was something that was really important, and we had to guard it. And then I started to wow, goodness this is, this is so common in, in UK Christianity, suspicion, which is actually, whoa. So, so we, whoa. And, and it was interesting. There was a sense of um, having to guard that which we'd gained very carefully. And God did some amazing things while we were there. And we had to realize that actually there were some people who we couldn't tell some of the things that we'd experienced because they would simply process it through suspicion. You know, the Bible tells you not to cast your pearls before swine. Again, that sounds a bit harsh, but it's, there's a reality of something. You think, you think, actually, if I do this, it's really not going to land. You know, and it's probably, with wisdom of that stage, you'll probably not say, not say something. It's just, so you have wisdom in all your communications, but, but when, when, <clears throat> when somebody's giving you an opportunity to grow in faith, is, is use questions that take you forward rather than put the brakes on and take you backward. Questions should, should be to, for information and, uh, and momentum, not to, not to stop people in, in their tracks. Okay. Oh, yeah, here we are. Don't be defined by what you are not. Have <laughs> had people do this? You're not this. You're not that. You're not this. You're not that. You're not this. You're not that. Well, there's a lot of things I'm not. Oh, there's a heck of a lot of things I'm not. If I, if, if, if I allowed myself to be defined by what I'm not, I, I would have no identity. Um, and one of the things I've, I've noticed is that there, there are a lot of things that we use that I think you have to be careful about becoming stereotypes. And I'm just throwing this one out there. I've been thinking about this a bit. You know, there, are, there are quite a lot of so, um, psychological profiling techniques which are useful. You've got Myers-Briggs... Uh, disc profiles, strengths finders, and we use them all. And I want to suggest to you they're helpful, but not, don't allow them to define you. Okay, so if you do the disc profile, it's no surprise to anybody who knows me, that if we do the disc profile, I come out really high on the D drive. Yeah, that's what, that's sort of leadership grid and stuff like that. Um, but what I'm starting to resist is when people tell me that I'm a D. I'm starting to resist that as a thought because, no, actually, I'm not a D. I'm me. I'm a son of the living God. And now, just because I'm high on that doesn't mean to say I don't take, pay attention to this. And an example of this, uh, a few years ago, um, somebody who was very influential in my life, and in a kind way, 
um, we were working, doing quite a lot of work together. He said, okay, Pete, I want you to do that faith stuff. You're really good at that faith stuff. Do that, fa- that faith thing. You've got that faith thing, which was miracles, signs and wonders, supernatural. But he says, you're never going to make your living as a Bible teacher, so just concentrate on that. No, seriously, this is what was told to me. Okay, so I thought, oh, go on that. And you know what? It had an impact upon me for about three years. Right? Where Now, it wasn't like this, but I didn't pay any attention to that. So I didn't give this the attention, that, I didn't guard this enough so it could grow. It's quite interesting. So this, this is, because I was doing this stuff, but I'm not that, because you're never going to make a living as that. But I thought, you know what? And then I, I thought, you know what? I don't think that's true. I don't think it was true back then, but do you want to say it's, it's, it was? But it was. I allowed myself to be limited by somebody's definition of what I wasn't, rather than what I am. And I want to suggest to you that you need to, to make sure you don't allow people to limit you by their, their definition of what you're not. Okay. Now, and, and, and to just sort of land this one, and I'll have to come back to one Thessalonians. Have a quick look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 16 or so when you get home. Um, I've not got time to, 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 to land on that right now. But um, <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. It just tells you how to interact with other people according to... No, I haven't got, I haven't got time for it. Um, <clears throat> I've got about another five sermons in these notes. So it's, you know, the armor of God, all sorts of stuff. But <clears throat> I know I have a prime gifting, okay? And, and that's what I can exhibit the most. But it doesn't define me in my entirety. Yeah, Because <clears throat> I'm meant to be fully into... My maturity is to be the, in the, the image of Christ, the fullness of Christ. And Jesus was... The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, I have a prime gifting, which I, but it doesn't mean to say I can't express the others and grow in them. Yeah? And, and so, again, I, I want you to, to be wary of, of being labelled by any particular gifting. Okay, so gifting is not your uh, entire character. Primarily, God gives you a gifting so you can help other people grow in that aspect of who Christ is. Yeah. So, so, so you have specific gifts and you will be able to help people grow in that but if that's all you do and don't grow in the others then that's a mistake because I'm not just that so I am apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic pastoral, able to teach that's the fullness of Christ and I need to to land this <laughs> testimony from the healing centre lady came yesterday Dancer hadn't been able to dance for quite a long time. Was dancing all around this auditorium before she left. Is God good? Okay. I'd like to pray for you. There's so much more to say, but this is all part of the, the Christian life, eh? Father God, we thank you that you've made your home with us. Wow, this is Father's Day, and we choose to celebrate who you are. And thank you for being part of your family. And Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom to guard that which is precious to us. Our destiny, our relationships, our callings, our giftings. Wow. Our future. 
our hope, our faith. And Father, we refuse and we resist the enemy's schemes. And whatever's thrown our way that comes from that source, we choose to resist it. But Father, we choose also to keep our love on. To love others and love you. Amen.